0: Hoop7 proudly brings to you
1: basketball hustle. Ellis fumbled the ball, two on the shot, clock goes up a player. yes! As he was falling to the ground, it's three! He shot it literally from the hip. Definitely a highlight. Here come the Villagers. four on two. McCall, Ellis, left corner. We miss Bang, from way down under, Cody Ellis. Reddick brings low out away from the best, stolen away by Cody Ellis. One man to beat, to the hole. he's fouled layup. Good
2: whistle foul, held the best. Ellis for the reverse, oh. and through fingertips, what a move. Ellis drops in a ball. I love seeing Cody Ellis coming out, feeling good. Ellis, Cody Ellis, Ellis,
0: pull up jumper, Cody Ellis, bang. Cody Ellis, can he stand and deliver? Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heavens Basketball Hustle.
3: Hello and welcome to Hoops Heavens Basketball Hustle for another weekend. Boy, Cody, isn't there a lot to talk about in the world of the NBA once again? We'll hear from Damien Martin to get his votes in the Demo Award. We'll speak to Matty Knight and get his Player of the Year votes because there was a lot of standout performers in round eight of the NBL. And we'll hear from the Adelaide 36ers Hall of Famer Scott Ninnis to pick out a Galen winner for this week. But, Cody, we've got a lot to focus on ourselves. The New Zealand Breakers just keep making statements and defying the odds in a lot of ways. We're seeing the South East Melbourne Phoenix flexing their muscles. The Cairns Taipans, they fired thanks to Keanu Pinder. We saw Xavier Cooks make a make a inspirational return for the Sydney Kings, but then the difference when he wasn't out on the floor was quite stark. We've seen the Brisbane Bullets implode since we we last talked. Interesting times for the Melbourne United and Perth Wildcats, who didn't quite fire. So, Cody, that means we've got a pretty packed show here, thanks to Hoop7. How are you holding up this week?
2: Oh, not too bad, mate. Cooped up. uh, The wife has COVID, (laughs) so... Uh, sitting in the bedroom, uh, currently speaking to you, mate, so uh, <laughs> not ideal. But uh, no, look, NBL wise, there's uh, there's a heck of a lot going on, and uh, big round with some teams making some big strides, and uh, some other teams just kind of falling by the wayside. So uh, yeah, lots to talk about.
3: No, there sure is. Before we get into all of the NBL action, how are you holding up? Especially how's Lauren? How how is how has she been hit by COVID? And how how are you and the family holding up? Because you've got a you've got a guest for the for a little while at home too, and COVID came at the the absolutely wrong time
2: yeah mate it sure did no look Lauren's uh Lauren's doing good now uh first day was a bit crappy for her but uh she's doing she's doing good now rest of us have been fine and yeah got uh got Lauren's mum in town from the states so Mm. she was in for a day and then all of a sudden we've all got to (laughs) stay inside for for a few so not ideal um especially in this weather but uh yeah yeah, man it's it's all good
3: how's your aircon working right now
2: fantastic which is great
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh thank goodness i mean and she's come from the cold as well so it's a big shock for her
2: yeah exactly exactly so i mean it kicked into gear right in time for her to get in town so uh <laughs> okay. look she's she's from st louis so she understands the heat as well um mm. but yeah coming from the cold isn't ideal
3: now before we get into the nbl action we're here thanks to hoop7 so check out the store if you're in perth and head to murray street in the perth city for the best basketball store you'll come across or if you're anywhere else, just head head to hoop7.com.au for all of your basketball goods. And, Cody, since we last had a chat, you've been in to visit Jason and his team. And, gee, that store just keeps surprising every time you go in,
2: doesn't it? I did, mate. I did. I finally got in to, to see Jason, the boys, and uh, I was in there for about an hour and a half having a, having a wag <laughs> with him, which is which is always the way, which is great. So I uh, picked myself up some new shoes, which is mm. always good and kind of seems to happen every single time I walk in there, which is, uh, you know... It doesn't bother me but uh, uh I love it so nah, it's certainly uh certainly a store that you need to get into if you haven't already been into
3: is it pretty much the only store you've ever come across at least in Australia where you're able to find shoes your size Have you always had to order online apart from hoop seven
2: yeah i have i have it's always been an online thing so uh to be able to actually go in and at least try a pair on um has been mm. uh has been fantastic and yeah, I mean it's It's one of those things that it's catching on now and uh, lots of people are in there, so you've got to get in early.
3: Absolutely. I'm always surprised that it's so busy and it's it's great to see. So thank you to Hoop7 for supporting this show. Let's get into our action, Cody, because there's so much to cover. Um, Let's get straight to business and talk about the top four, because I think... Especially what we saw on, on Sunday with those two dominant wins from the New Zealand Breakers and the South East Melbourne Phoenix. I think we saw a, a clear case that those are two of the contending teams. And unfortunately, I think we saw that the Aurora Hawks and the Brisbane Bullets are probably condemned to being the, being the bottom two teams. But the Sydney Kings and the Cairns Taipans, I think that, that top four, I honestly can't see it changing.
2: Yeah, look, I, I think you're right. I think that uh, those top four are fairly set. Um Realistically, unless I mean, unless the Sixers really make a push mm. and and one of those teams kind of fall off, um, it'll be teams fighting for that play-in spot. Um, those two yep. play-in spots. But look, the break is the Kings, the Taipens and and the Phoenix have all really over the past couple of weeks just really stamped their um, authority on the league and are all playing really good basketball, and it's been fun to watch um, across the yeah. board. So you know, if if uh, if a series between uh, the Kings and Taipans is going to happen. I will not be upset with the way those games have gone so far. Mm.
3: Oh, absolutely not. And, you know, fascinating the Phoenix and the Breakers too. They played once and the Phoenix touched them up and they played again mm. Thursday. And then, you know, I mean, those games, the Breakers and the Taipans have been really physical battles as well. So, yeah, they're fascinating matchups. What all four of those teams have is a dominant big man. Maybe not mm-hmm. a traditional big. I don't think you can call Keanu Pinder or Xavier Cooks a traditional big, <laughs> but in this league right now, they're playing playing that role as a big. And, you know, you look at New Zealand and the combination of Derek Pardon and Jarrell Brantley is really firing. And Alan Williams is an unstoppable force for the Phoenix. There's no one in the league that can guard him right now. And... You know, we saw him absolutely dominate the Illawarra Hawks just like we thought he might, you know, with their lack of a a front court. How important is it to have a good big man in the the league right now?
2: Oh, it's becoming more and more important. Um, You know, I think that especially in that four spot um, has been really, really dominant um, from, you know, like you said, guys like uh, Cooks and Pinder. It is. It's super important. I think, um, you know, there's no real... uh, wonder why those four teams are as dominant as they are because they all have dominating bigs in that in that uh inside spot. So mm. you know the the teams that are kind of towards the bottom of the ladder don't really have that dominant force. I mean you got Brisbane with Bainsey, but he's not he's not the I mean, Bainsey that we they don't use him. Do they? Well they don't. They don't He's not playing as many minutes as we thought he would. Mm. Um so yeah, look, I think that obviously the breakers with with Pardon and Brantley they've they've been unbelievable Zave at the Kings we know what he can do Pinder at the Taipans has has been another breakout season for him I think it's um you know it, it's time that we start talking about him as in the MVP race as well not just as most improved again um, yeah, cool. and then yeah look Williams with with Phoenix has been unstoppable um he's kind of just proven time and time again that no one can stop him he's just too big and strong and just kind of wills his way in there um mm. Yeah, it, it is. It's super important. It's, it's, a, it's a spot that you absolutely need um, if, you, if you want to be successful.
3: Now, Cody, if you were in the league right now, you'd be guarding each of those guys at yeah. different points. How would you go?
2: Oh, goodness me. <laughs> that would be a nightmare every single night, mate. Um, yeah, look, that would, uh, that's a, a heck of a task for anyone. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I don't, uh, don't overly envy people having to guard <laughs> these guys, um, but it would be a, it'd be a fun little challenge.
3: No, for sure. Um, who was the one guy that maybe was a bit bigger than you that you had to guard during your career that still gives you some some flashbacks?
2: Oh, Matty Knight would have to be up there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, look, any of the uh, any of the Cats guys really. Mm. Um, but you know, I had to guard guys like Wertho and Micah Vacona, Anthony yeah. Petrie, Alex Loughton, like some absolute studs in that position. And it's it's one of those things that that kind of four spot, especially in in our league, has has been fairly dominant for for a long time. So there's always been, um, you know, legitimate players in that position. So to see it take that step again is uh, is really cool to see. Um, And, yeah, I'm I'm loving it.
3: A couple of those guys you mentioned we might talk about later in this show. We'll hear from Matty Knight and also... Mm Another one of those guys, I want to throw throw something at you in regards to the Brisbane Bullets too. But before we get to that, I want to touch on the Adelaide 36ers. So I think that was their best performance so far this season, last Thursday night, to beat the Perth Wildcats in, in Perth. And I think, I think that chemistry is starting to build. Their defence is improving. Um, they're starting to play like the team that we thought they would. Mm. And they've done that by getting a little bit less talented. But as a result, they're getting everybody a lot more involved. And I think Mitch McCarron running the point is has been good for them. You know, Sunday Detch is now you know, more involved, same with Anthony Drummick and same with Antonius Cleveland. And then they're, they're getting a, a dominance out of Daniel Johnson and Robert Franks like we thought they would. I mean, 60, 60 points in the paint against the Wildcats and yep. they again dominated the, the rebound count against Perth, which is an issue for the Wildcats, but a good thing for the 36ers. Um, I want to get your thoughts. I, things are now starting to click for them. Is there the potential now that if they bring in a new import, and I think CJ Bruton is set on bringing somebody in, is there a chance that it upsets the apple cart? Should, should they potentially consider just sticking with what they've got?
2: Yeah, it's a tough one. It is a tough one because, you know, any team loses a guy um, of Randall's stature and his talent, then you'd expect them to try to fill that void straight away. Mm. But with this Sixers team, they're already so talented. And, you know, you're right. They're, they're really building chemistry right now, and I think they're starting to play really good basketball. Big thing for me is how Anthony Drimic has stepped up. Yes, um, I think he's been unbelievable. Um, everyone else has stepped up, uh, mm. but I think Drim has really, really um, kind of taken that challenge um, and said, you know, I'll be that spark, and and he's been really good for them. The the focal point of, of their bigs was something that we thought was going to happen at the start of the season. Mm. Didn't really go that way, um, but now that you know they've had some games with without Randall in there, I think that. They are, they're starting to click on all cylinders and, and McCarran running the show and then Sunday stepping up as well. Um it, it's it's a tough one because you know, are they a piece a piece away from being, you know, nearly unstoppable? Maybe, mm-hmm. but I think if they keep going with what they have, I think they can build to be a legit contender again.
3: Yeah, I think so too. I think we learn a lot this week. I mean, they play both Cairns and Sydney. If they can play well against them two teams without another import, maybe they mm-hmm. consider not doing it. If they lose both these games, maybe they realise they need another piece. So I think we might learn a lot more this weekend. Um, I don't know if we're going to learn a lot more about the Brisbane Bullets or the Elora mm-hmm. Hawks, though, Though Cody. That was tough watching these two teams on Sunday against was. two really good teams, but to watch them both lose by a combined 71 points across the two games, it was it was pretty ugly. We saw the deficiencies in, in both teams. Um I mean, do you see any hope for them moving forward? Is there any way out of finishing bottom two for either of
2: them? Uh, no, I, I yeah. can't see it. Um, I mean, the Hawks, while they've added a really good piece in Frazier, it didn't cover what they needed. Um,
3: well, it proved our point exactly, didn't it? Yes. Where Alan Williams and Mitch Creek did absolutely whatever they wanted, you know, under the basket because they didn't have a, have a front court that could could stand up.
2: No, they didn't. And, you know, we did say that if they were trying to replace King with a like-for-like, then Frazier is probably the perfect guy and it's probably an improvement. And he
3: played fine. There's there's nothing against him. He was great. It's just that,
2: yeah. I I thought he came out. He was aggressive. He did exactly what, you know, we've seen him do. I mean, he was the only one that could score for him to start the Mm. game when he came back in. So, um, But, yeah, it it just – I don't think it helped the team as a whole. Because you know, like we've mentioned before, um, th- they're missing that that piece inside to to help bolster their bigs and, and help rolling out. Um, so look, I, I I don't see them really turning a corner anytime soon. And and same with Brisbane. I mean, sacking mm. sacking sack the head coach, having the bloke who sacked him come in and step in as the head coach <laughs> is uh, is an yeah. interesting ploy. But um, yeah, I I I think it's. They spoke about how their defense has been really good, and that's probably where they've been the best so far. And then, I all was that... surprised
3: Sam said that post match.
2: Oh. I know, I know, because that game did not uh, <laughs> did not show that at all, um, no. unfortunately. And I think it's just a bit too disruptive there right now. Um, and you know, it's it's a frustrating one for Brizzy because. You know, it's a few coaches in a few seasons now that they've gone through. I, I don't think that is really the problem. You know, I I think it's starting from higher up, unfortunately. And, yeah, look, I can't see them turning a corner anytime soon either because Sobe still doesn't look like himself yet. Um, yeah. They're not using Baines. And it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's got to be frustrating. It's got to be frustrating for, for the team.
3: This is our first chance to talk about it. What was your reaction when you found out that James Duncan was – I mean there's no put, no way in saying it's a mutual parting of ways like they tried to spin and he was yeah, he, no. he was he he was sacked there's no there's no ways around around that because he wanted to keep the job. Um what was your reaction? I, I was surprised in the timing of it. I mean why not do it when they lost the first 5 games and things mm. were looking totally disjointed or why not why not do it during the fever break fever. why why do it one day before you fly out to New Zealand?
2: Yeah, I have no idea. I think the timing was uh was a little odd in that one. But yeah, uh, it doesn't surprise me that They've gotten rid of him. Um, But you're right, the timing has been uh, kind of all out of whack and really has been Brisbane to a T right there, um, unfortunately. So I don't know if they're actually looking for someone that can come in and and take over, but I think Mm. the fact that McKinnon took over um, proves that, you know, the, uh, the, the staff don't have... Too much faith in in the assistants.
3: Um, well, what does it say for Peter Crawford and Greg Van Jad? I guess it's either a case of neither of them wanted to put their hand up, or secondly, the staff didn't think they were up to it. I mean, what do you make of it?
2: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. And look, from the outside looking in, it 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 looks like that that they don't have faith in those two to be to run the team. Mm. Um. So uh, yeah, I I have no idea. It's a it's a tough one. And you know, at this point of the season. Is it worth bringing in someone who's, unless you've got a legitimate coach that's you know, willing to jump on board, mm. uh, would you let those two run the show and, and see how they go? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. They've, they've got lots to, uh, lots to do and lots to figure out and uh, all it is is taken away from, from the guys on the court, unfortunately.
3: Yeah, and I don't think they know the answer to that either. I mean, asking Sam McKinnon about it after the game on Sunday, he mentioned that their CEO is in the United States right now, talking to the owners, trying to work out what to do going forward. So I think they made the decision without knowing mm. what they were what go- what they were going to do next. But my thoughts are that you can't bring in somebody not already involved or familiar with the NBL mid-season and start no. coaching. That would that would be impossible. So I think if they're going to bring somebody else in, it has to be somebody familiar with. The NBL, somebody familiar with this team. So I think you either stick with Sam or or give it back to PC and and Vanderjat, Or, I want to throw this at you, Cody, and get your yep. thoughts. Anthony Petrie. He's a guy that's got the universal respect of everybody. And he also knows the guys on this Bullets team pretty well. He coached Jason Cadee and DJ Mitchell and Tanner Krebs to a championship in the M- NBL1 North at the Gold Coast Rollers. He lives close by. I think he wants to coach in the NBL. Certainly, at one point, this might be not might not be how he envisioned it. But he knows the Brisbane Bullets organisation. That's where he finished his career. Um, could he be an option?
2: I think he'd be a great option. Um, you know, like you said, that he knows most of the guys because most of them played for him in the NBL one. So uh, he's, he's got a good relationship with a lot of them anyway. Him and Jace Kadi are as tight as anyone. Um, yes. Can you so be in Adelaide? Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Look, I think that. He would probably slot in perfectly. And someone that, again, knows the NBL, he he knows the guys, he, he knows the system because I'm sure he's been in and around at practices every now and then. Mm. I, I wouldn't bring in an outsider because exactly like you said, you need to know the league, especially if you're coming in halfway through. Um, you need to know it, you need to understand it and how it works. So, yeah, I, I think he would be perfect and it would be – so good to see him back in the league in, in some um form, um so that'd be great yeah
3: absolutely would be and if you don't have to guard him in the post yeah' uh, that's, a, that's a positive too because he he would have him and Mikokoa would have to be the two toughest guys you battled against just about wouldn't he
2: oh absolutely they uh they were both tough as nails um two kind of different players, but mm. the same at the same time it's uh mm. if that makes any sense at all <laughs> mm. um but two just great dudes off the court as well. So um, I think, uh, yeah, look, I think Peach would be great.
3: Last one on Brisbane. I was curious to find that Aaron Baines didn't make the trip to New Zealand last week, but he has jumped on a plane this week and been in Canberra for the NBL's Indigenous Round launch. So he's obviously feeling feeling okay. So that Mm. means that I assume he's playing on Thursday night against the Wildcats, which is a, a good thing. When he's back on the court, whoever's coaching the Bullets, Surely, they just have to make him more of a focus, and even if he can only play twenty five minutes, which it looks like he can just let him go to work and and play like Alan Williams is, no one can stop him in the post if he's if he gets the ball in the right spot
2: hundred oh, uh, percent right, I think if whoever is coaching getting the ball down low he's got mm. to make the right play because he's he's a willing passer and he's a good passer out of the post as well, but like you mentioned, with alan williams if throw him the ball down low, who's going to stop him? He's so mm. big and strong and smart and he uh, understands how to score at the highest level under the rim. So I don't know why he wouldn't be a focal point. Um, mm. Obviously, you don't want to just bring the ball down the court and roll it into him straight away. You've got to get some movement first because we've seen yeah. teams do that and that doesn't work in this league because of mm. how we're allowed to play defense. Yeah. Um, but – he, he has to be a focal point. You know, doesn't matter if he plays 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. When he's out there, he needs to be with the ball in his hands, I think.
3: Mm. Yep, absolutely. And against the Wildcats, it's the perfect perfect time to do it. We've seen how teams can dominate them inside. So if the Bullets want to bounce back, this is a great chance for them to do it. We'll talk about that later in the show, Cody, but let's take a deep breath now and then we'll come back. We'll run through the rest of the results of round eight, break down the action, and then we'll hear from, hear from our guests and get our awards done for this week. Sounds good, mate. Okay, Cody, let's keep moving on Hoop7's basketball hustle. Only six games in round eight of the NBL, but they're all fascinating in their own ways. And it started back on Thursday night in Perth. And we always felt this would be a defining game for both teams. And it probably proved to be where the Adelaide 36ers showed what they're capable of. And the Perth Wildcats, you know, showed that they're probably a rung down from the top four teams, at least right now. And the 36ers won 96-82. to 82. Then Friday night, this was a fascinating game, and again the Breakers just proved proved too tough and too hard to score against for the Cairns Taipans, and they won eighty-two to seventy-one. Saturday night, fascinating game again. Melbourne United led just about the whole way against the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, but they couldn't finish the job, and the Jack Jack Jumpers just found a way ninety-four to ninety. They got the win, and then Sunday, um, they were these were two good games. If you're a Breakers or a or a Phoenix fan, not so much if you're following the Bullets or the Hawks. So the no. break is first up, 116-79 over the Bullets, and then the Phoenix one twelve to 78 over the Hawks. And then Monday night, thank God for this game, Cody. This livened <laughs> up things things once again. This was the thriller. Went to overtime, and the the Keanu Pindu-Xavier Cooks battle was was fascinating. And the Taipans got the job done, 94-88 to 88 in the end. Um, we've touched on most of those teams already, but anything else jump out that you might might like to to focus on?
2: Oh, the the Melbourne Jack Jumpers game. Mm. Um I'm pretty sure Melbourne shot fifty, forty, ninety for the uh for the game as a team they did. Yeah. and to turn around and somehow lose that is just insane. I was I was watching it thinking how are Tassie still is sticking around. Mm. And it's it's one of those things that I don't know why I'm still surprised. Um when when Tassie find a way to stick around because I don't think they had their best game at all. Um, yep. They were decent, um, but I think Melbourne was doing pretty much anything they wanted. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm still dumbfounded at, at how Tassie ended up winning this game. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's uh, certainly an interesting one, but uh, no, I think... Um,
3: I, I mean, Melbourne led the whole way, like you said. They were seemed like they were in control. I don't think they mm. could have asked for any more from that backcourt. I mean, Tucker, 23 points, 10 rebounds. Golding hit five threes for 21 points. Radden Mays, 20 points. And Marcus Lee, I think, showed some really good signs as well, especially as a as a defensive presence, 10 points, 8 rebounds. I mean, in a lot of ways, Melbourne couldn't have played better. They just couldn't yeah. put them put them away.
2: No, they couldn't. And... You know, all credit to Tassie and and just how they play and how they find a way to stick around. But I, I think Tucker was unbelievable for Melbourne. I think he was really good for them. He just his energy and he's kind of one of the reasons why they were in that game for for so long or up for so long. Um, mm. That uh, that dunk he had down the middle was was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you know they <laughs> they were talking about it contending with Zave's dunk, but uh, mm-hmm. it was good, but it certainly wasn't that good. Um, no, not quite
3: i uh, I equally liked his block up the other end. I mean he shows that he can play both ways he
2: he does he does, but it it, it almost looks like he wants that highlight down the other end rather than just being yes. solid
3: um yes, because he does get blown
2: by a little bit too easily, doesn't he? yeah, yeah, which you know sometimes I'm sure is is deliberate to try and set up that big uh that <laughs> big block but um <laughs> yeah um the the other thing that I would like to talk about and something that we've spoken about multiple times, um, the Kings and Taipan's game, the end of the fourth quarter. (laughs) Mm. Why on earth do teams keep shooting a three with a tie ball game or even down a point when they don't need to? Well,
3: you, you tell know. me, Cody. I mean, Derek Walden had that last possession. All Sydney had to do was score, and they win the game because scores scores were tied. Derek Walden had a good. I think he had a good matchup. He had he had one of the bigs from the Taipans matched up on him. He could have got to the got to the rim as easily as he wanted. And I think the only way the Taipans could have stopped him was by failing him because we know how good of a driver he can be. He settled for a, a fadeaway three point shot over a. I think it was over Wardenberg. I might have to check, but DJ Hogue. Um, I'm pretty sure it was it was over Hogue. Either pretty way, sure. it was over. a – it was over a guy a lot bigger than him Well i mean what what happens how does that how does it happen
2: i don't understand like i i just it baffles me every single time and i don't know why it keeps happening i don't know if it's a set play if it's yeah look just that make a play be, and it couldn't
3: be what was drawn up surely
2: no it can't have been because it was a bit of a sloppy play really where sydney usually execute in that situation um i just i don't get it i i mm. don't understand and i don't know What's going through players' heads? you know all you have to do is get two feet in the paint. you know you can get that kickout like shot. Uh, exactly that exactly. His I, it's, it just it frustrates me to no end, and you know, like I said, he gets two feet in the paint. if everyone collapses, then you get that kick out three. That's an easier three anyway. Um, yeah. oh, I don't know. Oh, I, I thought it was <laughs> set up for a Sydney thriller win again, um, yes. and look with. With Zave fouling out with you know three and a half minutes to go, um, wasn't ideal for them. Mm. Um, but again, it proves how important he is to that team.
3: Well, it was remarkable. They were in control of the game still when yep. he fouled out. But from the point he fouled out, the Taipans outscored them ten to two to close regulation to force overtime, and it was mm-hmm. twenty-six to twelve without him in the game. And Keanu yep. Pinder was unstoppable. I mean, it's fascinating that the last time they played in Sydney, when Noy hit the Hit that game winner. Pinder fouled out for the I think the last seven minutes of that game. Yep, and That's when Sydney took over, and now it was the opposite here. I mean, that was a it was a hell of a battle, but it just shows how important both those guys are.
2: Well, they are, and Zave played twenty minutes and had twenty five and ten. You know, <laughs> that's a that's a heck of a comeback game after a, an ankle injury, which is never fun. And yeah, look, I'm I'm hoping that once finals comes around, and if these two teams are facing each other, I hope those two guys can stay in because. I expect to see 30 from each of them every single game and it be uh, a nail-biter like this one was.
3: Yep, absolutely. I'll, I'll chat to, to Matty Knight about both of them as well, somebody that knows a fair bit about the, the big fellas. Last thing yep. on that game, Sean Bruce. He hit the game winner last week against the Elora Hawks. This week, he hit the side of the backboard when he had that chance.
2: Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he was not set at all. It was, um, yeah, it, uh, it wasn't ideal, was it? I, you know, As soon as it went to him, I thought, oh, here we go again. Mm. Um but no, look he he never really stamped his authority on the game like he has in the mm. past few. So he, he kind of seemed a little bit out of whack. Um which was a bit brucey like. But uh yeah, no, that was uh that was one I'm I'm sure he wishes he had back. Yep, absolutely.
3: Um All right, Cody. When we come back later on we'll chat a bit a bit more about some of these teams when we get to our previews for, for round nine. But let's get to our awards this week, and we'll hear from Maddie Knight, then we'll hear from Scott Ninnis, and then when we come back, we'll go through Damo's awards and then we can get stuck into the week ahead. Perfect. Okay, back on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle, and I'm joined by the three-time NBL champion, the nightmare, the best power forward of his generation. We'll get to his Player of the Year votes. Matty, how do we find you
0: this week? Yeah, good, mate. Uh, interesting week of basketball. Sure was.
3: I mean, I, I think we saw the top teams really make a statement and unfortunately the bottom teams probably show that they're a fair way off the mark. What what sort of stood out to you from what you saw?
0: Yeah, no, I think you're getting to that halfway point now where the better teams are starting to play their brand of basketball. Uh and then you got the Brisbane who are uh, making coaching changes oh. and what's up there it looks like. So, you know, I think the top four teams right now are starting to separate and then there's a couple of teams fighting for that five and six spot.
3: Absolutely. Really big wins for the Breakers again to, to do, do what they did, both in, in Cairns and then coming back home to, to Brisbane to just blow a pretty lackluster bullet out of the water. And then for the Taipans to pull that out against the Sydney Kings, pretty impressive from both those teams.
0: No, definitely. Um yeah, they're definitely showing their credentials this year, and especially New Zealand. Obviously, flying the cans, playing playing a tough game, and having to get back on a plane, mm. get back and play again. But the um, brand of basketball, both teams are playing, it's really exciting and it's really good for the league to see. Uh, two teams that have probably struggled the last few years, up uh, at top one and two.
3: What I love about the Breakers is that they could easily be making excuses now. They've had a horrible travel schedule. And like you said, even again this weekend, to have to go to Cairns on Friday night, fly all the way back home to Auckland to play on Sunday afternoon. I mean, you could make an excuse. And I know that they're they're exhausted. I know they're doing it tough. But they don't want to use an excuse. They just come out and play hard, no matter no matter what sort of is thrown at them. Yeah,
0: exactly. And that shows your team that's really enjoying their basketball. Uh, like you said, they could say, yeah, we're tired. And Quite not the schedule, but no, they're really enjoying their basketball. And when you're playing like that, you probably want to be playing a lot of games a the week. So, um, no full credit to New Zealand, especially they've had a pretty tough the last couple of years. Obviously, been in Australia for the whole season, so the travel probably doesn't really worry them a whole lot. But uh, yeah, no, if they can take care of business now, it's only going to get easier for them when they're playing one game a week and mm. probably more games at home.
3: Yeah, for sure. Before we get to your play with the year votes, I want to get your thoughts on Xavier Cooks up against Keanu Pinder on Monday night. That was a fascinating battle and probably unfortunately for the Kings, Cooks fouled out with about three and a half minutes to go. He only ended up playing 20 minutes but had a massive impact on the game. And then from that point on, Pinder was able to take over and, and dominate and have the best night of his of his career. I mean, how much fun is it to watch two big guys like that, you know, go go at it against each other?
0: Uh, it, it's really exciting. It shows you Australia's got some exciting young bigs coming up through the system. And uh, then to probably the, the future of the NBL are both yeah. going to have futures ahead of them. And um, seeing going head-to-head like that is fantastic. And, yeah, no, you can only imagine you're going to get better and better. So those challenges and battles are going to be exciting for the next few years, that's for sure.
3: Not only the future of the NBL, what do you think the ceiling is for both of them? Do you see any chance that, you know, two things. Do you see them contending for spots at you know, the World Cup or Olympics for the Boomers. And secondly, do you see an NBA future there for both or either of them?
0: Oh, uh, well, both because of athleticism. And, you know, that's what it takes to make an NBA. Um, I think both still need to develop an out- mm. outside shot, But uh, I think both have got an excellent chance of making the Boomers and going further than the NBA. The athleticism of both of them, especially Keanu, yeah he's got a very exciting future and it's glad to see they're getting an opportunity now to represent Australia and get a taste of it. So yeah, as the older bigs move on, I think there's a huge opportunity there, especially the way basketball's being played now with be athletic and that's So, uh, I really think in the both push for twenty twenty four Olympic squad, I'm pretty sure.
3: Yeah, I think so too. All right, Maddie, what we've got you here for is our play of the year votes for, for this week and you know, it was a fascinating round. We only had the six games, but plenty of big performances. Why don't we start with your one vote for this week?
0: Yeah, we got one vote this week is uh, Milton Doyle. from fantastic. I was looking for a while that Melbourne were probably going to sneak a win over there, but uh, he came up clutch down the end because McDonald was lucky not to get a vote. But, uh, you know, Milton Doyle has been fantastic for him. Obviously, had a slow start to the year, but reports airports, only takes a couple of rounds to adjust. But, um, no, he's been fantastic, fantastic.
3: Yeah, he has been. All right, what about you two?
0: Two, so, uh, we've already mentioned, talked about him, uh, Cooks. Mm. Even though they lost, what, what he's doing, coming back after an ankle injury to have a game like that, the a lot of guys out there that wish they could first game back after an ankle injury like that. But uh, no, he's, um, he's the heart and soul of Sydney, and if they're going to have any success, it's going to be really depends on David Cook. Yep,
3: absolutely. All right, getting get to the business end, what about the three?
0: So we got the five last week, I believe, but Derek Harden, mm. um, he's just going from strength to strength. He uh, had a huge game against Cairns and then backed it up against Brisbane. Probably licked his lips when he's seen Baines and Harris out after <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Bullets. But um, now he's uh, becoming the heart and soul of that uh, Breakers team. It looks like he, he just loves basketball and uh, he's out there competing every night. He's been a huge reason why the Breakers are having the success they are.
3: No, he sure is. And his foreman probably is too. We might be going there next, are we?
0: I think so. Uh, Jarrell Bradley, hes he's been um, very consistent the whole season. And uh, he can do it inside and out. And um, he's a dangerous player. He's athletic. I think that's what makes Cairns and New Zealand separate from a lot of other teams this year. Is They've got some athleticism. 1-5. Mm. And uh, I think that's the way basketball is going right now. And he can guard 1-5 too. Very, very uh, rare for a power force in this league. But um, no, nah, he's had a huge season
3: so far. Now, that's what I love about him. I, I asked him after the game on Sunday if he's looking forward to the matchup this week with Mitch Creek and he said, I don't care, I can I can guard anybody one through five and I'm happy to guard anybody so I don't care who's on on the other side and I think that's a, a really great attitude to have and a hell of a weapon for the breakers too. Um, what about the five votes?
0: Five votes? it's <laughs> Man who responded on Twitter with, uh, they can't with a sleepy emotion. <laughs> no, Keanu, uh, he put up mm-hmm. career numbers last night. Yeah. Once Cook got out, he took over. I've never seen a guy get a foul line 20 times? Time. Did you, <laughs> what's the
3: most you ever got to in a game, Matty?
0: I think probably about 10 or 12, I yeah. think. So to get there 20 times um, shows how dominant he really was out there. Uh, he's, he's just going from strength strength just to think what two years ago no team wanted him no. after he's at Adelaide potentials always been there but he just needed the right coach to give him that confidence and 40 is that man yeah 40's known him since he's junior so he's really enjoying his basketball and um yeah I think he continues to play like that he's a uh, definitely MVP favorite and probably Take out the most in as well.
3: Yeah, definitely. You've got to love his self-belief too. I mean, he, he feels like he's the best player out there and he's going out there and backing it up.
0: Exactly. To put a statement out like that, um, pretty bold, but, hey, he backed it up. so He shows he's got the, the faith in his ability. And, um, yeah, no, I love watching the way he goes through his business
3: on court. Yeah, it's a, lo- it's a lot of fun. All right, Maddie, we've got a lot to look forward to this weekend again, but thank you again for your insights and your votes, and we'll chat again next week. Okay, back on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle. Very happy to be joined by the Adelaide 36ers Hall of Famer, the only man involved with every Adelaide 36ers championship. Scott, a win over the Wildcats would mean that you're a very happy man this week.
1: Uh, yes, it is, Chris. Any time you get a chance to beat the Wildcats in Perth is uh, is time for celebrations because, uh, as we know. Uh Hasn't always been a happy hunting ground for for uh, 36ers mm. or a lot of other clubs for that matter, but um, yeah, fantastic win and it uh, you know really starting starting to seem that the you know the the team's heading in the right direction and uh, things are moving in the, yeah moving, moving upwards and onwards. So uh, yeah, good signs.
3: I agree. That chemistry that wasn't there for the first probably month or so of the season looks like it's building now. They're playing as a team. They seem to have the right people involved. I think Mitch, Mitch McCarron running the point has really. Really helped having Sunday Detch and Anthony Dremick more involved has helped. An- Antonius Cleveland is getting to play more of a role. And then obviously you got Robert Franks and DJ who are um, being allowed to to show what, what they can do. I mean, it's a it's a fascinating situation. The chemistry is now, it looks like it's right on the team. And I, I feel like they're building momentum. And at the same time, I think CJ is still pretty set on bringing in another import. Um, where, do, where do you sit on on that whole thing? Oh, look,
1: I completely understand it. I mean, you, you touched on a number of po- very valid points there. The chemistry is, is great at the moment. So, uh, you know, anyone that they they bring in has to be a complementary fit for that, so I'm pretty sure there'll be some uh, pretty serious background background checks going on. You know, <laughs> what other imports they, they're looking at, because you know you'd hate for them to start getting rolling and, and bring in someone uh, you know who's going to cause uh, cause problems with with that chemistry. So uh, it, it remains to be seen. I, I don't think there's well, we've seen that there hasn't been any desperate hurry to bring mm. someone in, and I, I think that was a, a like a fantastic move just to you know get guys settled. You know, get some guys you know playing with each other, and 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 we've seen the benefit of that. So um, I, I expect it to happen. I expect us to sign an import, um, you know, probably in the, over the next couple of weeks. But I think uh, CJ himself has said, you know, with all the games they had in the quick quick time, he's now got a chance to sort of sit back and and, and do some homework on uh, on no doubt many many names that would have come over his uh, desk uh, over the last few weeks.
3: A lot happening across the league as well, Scott. Wanted to get your thoughts on. Someone you know pretty well, Sam McKinnon, you've spent a, a lot of time, you know, with and around over your lifetime in basketball. Did you ever see him being a, being a head coach, even if it is, you know, on a temporary basis?
1: I think it's a bit strange, isn't it? Like yeah. you know, you've got a general manager who's become, uh, uh, you know, interim head coach and, uh, you know, losing my 37 in, in his first game probably, mm. you know, probably wasn't ideal. I mean, you've seen it time and time again in, in professional sports when there's a change of coach, you know, that, that that team normally gets a little bit of a lift for a game or two, but uh, obviously that didn't happen with the, with the Bullets. Look, I I remember... Yeah, and Andre Lamanis is a good mate of mine. I remember him talking to him uh, about a succession plan when he stopped coaching uh, in Brisbane, and, and at that stage, Sam McKinnon and, and CJ yeah. were his assistant coaches, and he he spoke very highly of both of them, you know, being able to make that uh, step up and, and be good head coaches. And I guess you know we're we'll, we'll, we're seeing CJ you know in action over a season and a bit now. So yeah, certainly you know Andre rated him highly, and. and yeah, if 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 Andre rates you highly, that's uh, that's generally pretty good good enough for me. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what they do, um, and if they do appoint someone another head coach, uh, you know, over the next few few games or not.
3: Yeah, no, it will be. Okay, Scott, what we've got you here for is to pick a winner of the Galen Award for the best team man from NBL Round Eight. Thanks to your friends at Sports Card World, I reckon we've got some good candidates. Six teams had wins across the weekend, and I think we saw some pretty pretty impressive individual. Team performances, and I, I want to go back to the Adelaide 36ers, and I think we saw. All of the reasons why Antonius Cleveland was such a big signing and probably his best all-round performance for the, for the club. And I thought he was, in, he was quite instrumental in the win in Perth. New Zealand breakers just keep winning. We could, all, we could almost pick five or six guys out of the breakers to nominate for this. But I reckon they're two big men, Derek Pardon and Jarrell Brantley, once again, stood out. I thought, go down to Tasmania. Sean Macdonald had a massive say in that win over Melbourne United. And he's a development player. I think we forget that. He's playing such a big role on that team, you go to the South East Melbourne Phoenix and Mitch Creek in his 300th game. I know they had a massive win over the Hawks, but he just continues to do a bit of everything. And then Monday night, Keanu Pindas' performance just cemented himself as a as an MVP candidate, I think, against the Sydney Kings. He was, he was massive in what he was able to do. Um, those are the candidates I probably want to throw at you, Scott. Did one of them jump out?
1: Oh look! I think that, you know you can make a case for all, all of them. Um, you know I've, I've mentioned to you before. I love you know the way Keanu Pena has elevated his game this year. It's just just a joy to behold, you know, especially with the, you know, after him having the struggles he had here, you know, with the 36ers, um, it would be, it would be very easy for me to uh, pick Cleveland, being a, mm-hmm. <laughs> be a little bit of bias going on there. But I, I'm going to go with Sean McDonald. I I, I thought, you know, he, he showed, you know, he, he was fantastic in that game, he showed great poise and, you know, was really, really important. And it's, it's probably similar here with, uh, you know, Nick Marshall, to, you know, who's also Development players, great to see those sort of guys making the most of their opportunities when they get a chance, and um, you know that can kick you onto a long, uh, long career. You know, just by taking the you know, taking advantage of, of the moments because uh, they don't always come around. Um, you know, it's the same thing I say to say to the guys in my team. You know, you just never know through. You know, injury or, or foul trouble when uh, when your number might be called, you just always got to be ready to go. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Sean McDonald this week. I thought he was uh, it was fantastic to see how well he played.
3: Great choice, right well under Sean McDonald to win the Galen Award for this week. Thanks to Sports Card World, Scott. Before I let you go, massive weekend for the Thirty Sixers. Firstly against the Taipans, and then against the Kings. Real chance to make a statement in both games.
1: Yeah, it really is. Um, You know, I love the way that Kings are going about their business. Um, So we're really going to have to match, you know, their intensity. Um, It's, you know, they're going to come in full of confidence and, um, you know, playing some really, really good basketball. And and obviously we know what the Kings are capable of. But yeah, it is. It's it's a great chance to make a statement. You know, you win both these games. I think all of a sudden the rest of the uh, the the league suddenly uh, goes, oh, (laughs) yeah, starts taking notice of the thirty sixes, so. Uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing him back home. It's It's, yeah. it's been weeks since we've had a home game. So, uh, yeah, really excited to see that, uh, see Cairns coming in here and getting a home game on Friday night.
3: No, you're right. November the 5th was the last home game, so it's been almost a month by the time Friday night comes around. So it'll be a big game. Looking forward to it, Scott. And thanks again for joining us, and we'll do it again next week.
0: No worries at all. Thanks so much, Chris.
3: Okay, back on Hoops Heavens Basketball Hustle. I'm back with Cody Ellis, my co-host. Thanks again to Maddie Knight and Scott Ninnes for giving their time and also their insights before we get to Damien Martin's votes, Cody, for the best defensive player this week. Um, running down the list there of Maddie's votes, we've got a new leader in his Player of the Year Award, Keanu Pinder. Yeah. Probably not a great surprise. And Sean McDonald was the winner of the Galen Award. Are you you're pretty happy?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think it's hard to, uh, to switch any of Maddie's around. I think they're pretty spot on really the only one is probably Derek Pardon's probably a bit stiff to only get three, but mm. you know, it's it was it was a it was a really good round for, for a lot of players. So um yeah, look, I think he hit the nail on the head. And then yeah, Scotty hundred percent with uh with Sean McDonald with the best team man. Um mm. yeah, I, I can't see anyone else who, who would have beat him out for that one this week. So uh as always, the guys got him right.
3: <laughs> it's remarkable that he's a development player and playing such a role and and really he was the he was the main reason I think Clint Steindl spent so much time on the bench because he was yeah. playing so well.
2: He was and yeah Clint was not uh not on Roth's best side during that game. Mm. So uh he's he's been really good though. Um McDonald's been great and there's there's been uh talk from especially Halls I think is the one that has been preaching it is um you know it being kind of a not a junior player, but one of the younger players Rising award in, yeah, yeah. instead of, yeah. a, uh, instead of a, a Rookie of the Year. And I don't see why it shouldn't be that because, you know, you, you do have some of these DPs stepping up and playing big minutes now. And the fact yeah. that they're not eligible for that award is, is, uh, is crazy.
3: Well, I, I think him and Sam Wardenberg are the two, if if we change the the criteria a little bit, they're, they're the two standouts for that award right now.
2: Yeah, they certainly are. They certainly are. And if you had Lockie Dent still doing what he was doing to start the season, yes. he'd be in there as well. But he's kind of fallen by the wayside a bit, which maybe they should start playing him a bit more. Who knows? Um, yeah, anyway, absolutely. that's another story. But uh, you're right. You're right. I think those two would be uh, in contention, whereas I think Wardenberg has all but sewn it up so far.
3: Yeah, I think so. Now, D- Damien Martin, the defensive legends, got his votes for this week as well, and three votes to New Zealand. Isaiah Liafa, and I—I I think you could have almost picked probably three or four breakers players. Mm-hmm. You know, Pardon's probably unlucky not to be in the mix. Abercrombie's un, unlucky, but Leafa had a had a great great weekend. Jack McVay from the Jack Jumpers, the two votes. Antonius Cleveland with, with the with the one vote. Um, sometimes it's tough to pick out defensive performances, but do you think those three guys earned their earned their, earned their votes this week?
2: Yeah, look, I think so. Um, you're right. Pardon again, probably a bit stiff not to get at least a vote because I thought he was really good this this round. Um, mm. But Damo almost needs to pick the whole New Zealand team because <laughs> just the the way they play defense is unbelievable, and it's just yeah. leaps and bounds above anyone else. You know, Tazzy's really good, but I think I think New Zealand is just that step ahead again. Um, so it's got to be tough to to pick that, but you know jack jack really does well guarding those positions for i guess the lack of his athleticism compared to some of the other bigs around the mm-hmm. league um, but he's smart and he just gets it done and he's tough and cleveland we all know we all know how good he is and, and what he mm-hmm. brings defensively so yeah look hard to argue with uh with damo on those ones mate
3: yep yep there we go so thank you to all those guys for helping us out um Let's get to round nine in the NBL, Cody. It's a big, big week. We've finally got uh, got some more action. We've got a few more doubleheaders this weekend to get stuck into, and it starts probably with the game of the round on Thursday. We're back to back to Christchurch, not to Auckland. So the the New Zealand Breakers have taken themselves on the road down to down to Christchurch, and they host the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. So last time they played. The Phoenix did a number on them. The only time we've probably seen the Breakers really struggle this year was mm-hmm. last time against the Phoenix. So I'm sure they haven't forgotten that, and they're they're in some great form right now. They're on top of the ladder and and they're playing incredible basketball. But so with the Phoenix, I mean, this is a this is a great way to start the round.
2: Yeah, I can't wait for this one. It's going to be a heck of a game, and and hopefully it lives up to the hype. Um, because you're right; these two teams are, are playing some of the better basketball around the league. You know, New, New Zealand is clicking on. All cylinders now, whereas when these two teams first met, they weren't really they were still trying to get their feet a little bit, and you know Phoenix started off the season kind of how they did last year, a bit up and down, whereas now they've got some healthy guys out there, and I think
3: that was their first game when they were at full strength, yeah, yep, yep,
2: yeah, yeah. and we kind of got a bit of a glimpse at what they'd be like so um yeah i I couldn't tell you who's going to win this one because it's it's going to be tough um. I, I do think right now the breakers have really got a challenge on their hands with, with uh, on the defensive end. Um, this will be mm. a real test and see how they are across the board because Phoenix just have so many weapons. Um, so it's going to be an intriguing game, but I'm going to go with New Zealand just because I think right now their form is just ever so slightly better.
3: Mm. Did you ever play a game in Christchurch?
2: Yep, yep. I've played yeah, okay. uh, played a couple, so yeah, no, it'll be good. That'll be good. Uh, I'm I'm glad that they're kind of touring and well, not so much touring, but moving mm. up and down a little bit and and getting the whole country involved. And it's uh it's it's similar to Tassie in in moving around the island a bit and and yes. getting everyone around it because uh, it gives everyone a chance to see them. Um and yeah, it, it's been great. So that'll be an interesting one, and I'm sure it'll be a packed house.
3: Yeah, that, let's hope so. Um. As good as that game looks on paper, the second game on Thursday hmm. probably looks looks the opposite, but it's important for both teams. So the Brisbane Bullets hosting the Perth Wildcats. We didn't see a response from Brisbane after the coaching change last week, but maybe they get that when they're on their home floor. But gee, if the Perth Wildcats are going to do anything this season, this is a game they can't afford to afford to drop
2: yeah they can't lose this one this this has to be a win this has to be a turning point for them because if they let another round slip by then it's just it's getting harder and harder with with some of the talent um talented teams around um yeah oh i I can't see them i can't see the cats losing this one um Mm. brizzy just it's
3: it's a building uh, bryce loves playing in too.
2: yeah it is so you know I'm sure we'll see a big game from Bryce, but uh, Perth really need to use this as a bit of a springboard for for what's to come. Um, and they just need to be tough. Like they need to go out. They and have to.
3: They, they have to make a stand inside, don't they? They have to stand their ground. They can't be dominated in the paint and they can't lose the rebound count again. Oh
2: God. It's just, yeah, it's, it's become so un-Perth like how they've been playing and, um, I'm sure it's it's frustrating all around for, for everyone involved because um, I know uh, I know the Red Army is, is not overly happy with them right now. Yeah. So um, they've got to. They're, they've just got to be tougher. They've got to get after it. They've got to win the rebound count. They've just got to be physical and, and go back to playing Perth Wildcat basketball. And uh, I, I think we'll be able to right the ship, but this has got to be that game. Um, I, I reckon the Cats do get it done. Um, mm. but hopefully we see something from Brisbane. Yes, we we need to. Um,
3: Friday night, standalone game, and it's going to be a terrific battle as well. So the Adelaide 36 is back home. Well, first time in almost a month they've played at home, but they're coming off a good win last, last week, and they host the Cairns Taipans. So this is a chance for chance for us to learn a lot about both these teams, I think.
2: Yeah, this is a huge game. Uh, I think that it's going to be a high-scoring affair because between the two teams, there's not a whole lot of defence that gets played. Mm. Uh Which is crazy when you look at Adelaide's roster. You know, they they should be a lockdown unit, but uh, not overly so far this year. uh, Again, it's going to be tough to see who's going to guard Keanu um, because he's been unbelievable um, and his form is just so ridiculous right now. I can't really see Franks or DJ guarding him too well. Mm. Um, You know, possibly put someone like Cleveland on him. And uh, Possibly, and, yeah. and see how he goes because he does have that bit of height, um, but he's also got that athleticism to to go with Keanu. So uh, on the flip side, you know they've still got to guard Franks and DJ on, on the other end yeah. of the floor. So you know Keanu's only going to be able to take one of them. Um, yeah, this again, this should be a high-scoring affair. I expect it to be in the nineties or the hundreds uh, for both teams. Um, I think oh, it's. it's it's tough because I just feel like the the away teams seem to have the upper hand every time this mm. this uh, this season. So I'm going to go with Cairns.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, Saturday. This is a big challenge for the Perth Wildcats. This is why Thursday night's so important for them. They need to take some momentum into this game because they're mm-hmm. they're heading heading down to New Zealand to play the Breakers for the first time. And you know both are coming off playing on Thursday, but we know how tough the Breakers are. We know how good they are and how physical they are. Everything the breakers are is everything that you talked about before. That's missing with the Wildcats right now. Gee, this they just have to stand up in this game if they want to be a chance.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they do, and it's it's hard to see how the Cats are going to score a whole lot of points against this Breakers defense. Mm. Um, look, Bryce has a fairly fairly uh, good history against against the Breakers and making some big time plays. He certainly did last year. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, both both coming off the back of a double header, but New Zealand staying at home certainly helps them. Um, I, I do think New Zealand gets that one um, fairly handily, just purely off form.
3: Yeah, I, I think the points in the paint number could be. Something oh, it's going to be. Again, yeah, in, yeah, it could
2: be. Certainly could uh, be, and hopefully they stand up a little bit more.
3: Throwdown next on Saturday night and. Gee, Melbourne United have to have to stand up. I mean they're five and eight now. They need they can't afford to keep slipping. But gee, it's not going to be easy against a Phoenix team that, like we talked about, is is finding their groove.
2: Yeah, they certainly are. And yeah, Melbourne need to uh certainly start to stamp a bit of authority. And I think, especially after the game against Tassie, they'll they'll probably be a little bit deflated after that. After the way they played and somehow losing that one is uh has got to be deflating. Um but, you know, the uh the old Melbourne stouch, I think that uh will will and always does lives up to expectation. Um however, I think Phoenix just have too many weapons. Um and, and for Melbourne who are still trying to find their identity on the defensive end a, a bit, I think. I think their their offense yeah. is starting to click. Um but defensively I think they're still struggling that little bit and you know, it'd be interesting to see if, if Shay's out there. I'm sure he probably won't be. Mm. Um mm.
3: No, I I I don't I think Dean's confirmed that he is at, at least out for another two or three weeks. Yeah,
2: okay. Okay. So I mean that just makes it makes it tough for him. Um yeah. look, I think I think Phoenix get that one done um in front of the, the home fans.
3: Yeah. Two more games on Sunday. Um this will be a pretty to start things off. So the Sydney Kings back at home against the Adelaide 36ers and and like we talked about before, the 36ers, this is a chance for them to make a statement this weekend, but Sydney coming off a loss, they'll be they'll be pretty hungry to to bounce back too.
2: They will be, and it's two very tough games for Adelaide in this round. Um yeah. But it'll be Sydney's first game, or uh, well first and only. Um yeah. And yeah, you're right, they'll be uh They'll be a little heated after, after losing that one in Cairns. Uh, they kind of let that one slip away. Um, I'm sure Zave will be that extra week healthy uh, or more healthy. So, yeah. it'll be a tough one. It'll be a tough one for Adelaide. Um, and again, another high-scoring game, I would assume. Um, two teams that really just try outscore the opponents. Um, but I do think Sydney play Better defense than than Adelaide do uh, at this point in time. I think the Kings get that one, and juice uh, that gives Adelaide two losses for the round.
3: Yeah, and yeah, and like like we talked about before, that that would sort of leave them in a precarious position. Maybe would. they need to make it make an import choice. Yeah, based on based on that, if they lose twice, and it's hard to imagine Sydney losing twice to Adelaide at home in the one season as well. So they've got that added motivation. Second up on Sunday, Brisbane Bullets second home game of the round. I host the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. who will be he'll be fresh and motivated. So yeah, I mean it doesn't get any easier for for Brisbane. No, it
2: doesn't. It doesn't. And that's the league. You know, it's each game is is just as tough as the as the one before. Um, yeah, Tassie just have have that bite that uh, I I don't think Brizzy can handle right now. And with so much going on in the background, it's uh, it's hard to see how how the boys will respond on the court. So. I think Tassie probably get that one fairly handily. Um, mm. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, I I can't see Brizzy um, winning that one.
3: No, no, unfortunately not. Um, Monday night, I don't know what the Illawarra Hawks have done to get this schedule. Another Monday night <laughs> home game, which is not going to help, you know, fill up the Win Entertainment Centre, unfortunately. But let's hope for a better performance from them. So they would have had eight days since that loss to to the Phoenix, um, and they take on Melbourne United, who will be. You know they 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 can't afford to lose this game either if they want to stay in the in the finals hunt.
2: Right, and yeah, I'm not I'm not sure who's made this schedule, but uh, mm. it's certainly not in favour of the Hawks and and getting people to their games at all. Um, they're struggling enough with with how they're playing. They don't need to all these Monday night games as well. Um, yeah, Melbourne Melbourne need this one. I think they absolutely have to have it. Uh, Hawks again, still just all over the place, offensively and defensively. Um, it's usually a pretty good game between these two, but I, I do think Melbourne get this one because they'll be playing with their backs against the wall, um, whereas the Hawks really have not a whole lot to play for except their pride right now. Um, and, yeah, I, I think Melbourne gets this one.
3: Feels like they almost go to overtime every second time they play. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, we, I mean, like you said, must win for Melbourne. They can't afford to be 5-10 and 10 after this round because that's almost season over, so they, they just have to win this game.
2: Yeah, they've got to. They have to do it if they want to stay in the hunt. And they've got too much talent not to. So I think it has to be a win for them.
3: All right, Cody. We'll wait and see how all that plays out. Um, Thank you to Matty Knight and Scott Ninnis once again for for their insights and their their votes. Thank you to Damien Martin as well. Thank you to Hoop7 for making this show possible. I'm Chris Pike. But, Cody, thank you for fighting through what you're dealing with right now to make sure we've got a show out this week. I hope you and Lauren stay healthy. I hope the mother-in-law... Can start to enjoy her holiday as well. Um, What would you like to leave us with for this week?
2: Oh, mate, just looking forward to another good round of basketball, man. I think that uh, the level has really lifted, so uh, hopefully it can continue that trend and and keep going uh, in the upward trajectory.